0: Welcome to CrowdCloud Clouder, Germany's podcast for all professionals in the cannabis industry with first-hand insights, real talk, podcast, cannabis. Welcome everyone to our podcast session. Today's topic, international and European law, make it very difficult for Germany to legalize adult-use cannabis. We are looking for answers. How will Burkhard Blinat and his team make the magic happen? and legalize adult use cannabis as the first EU country. Today, I will talk with Alfredo Pascual, Vice President of Investment Analysis at the Cannabis VCC Generations and Dr. Robin Hoffman, Professor for Criminal Law at the University of Maastricht. Welcome.
1: Hello. Thank you, Moritz. Thank you for having us.
0: Starting with a personal question, Robin. As a professor for criminal law, what did raise your interest to have a deep dive in international and European cannabis policy?
2: Well. It seems to be um, the obvious answer, um, since cannabis is criminalized uh, in Germany until today. Um, As a a guy who uh, finds criminal law interesting, as odd as this may sound, um, this is, of course, a natural topic I deal with um, for years now on a professional level. Um, I'm a trained lawyer from from Germany. Uh, I have a PhD more in the field of European criminal law. And um, I'm working in Maastricht in the Netherlands for the past three years. And um, here, of course, with the coffee shop system, uh, cannabis is a has been and is a constant topic. So um, I treat it professionally and I would say uh, in my free time as well. So, um,
0: yeah, that's how I came to it. Robin, I hope when cannabis for adult use is all legal, legalized everywhere in Europe, you will still continue to deal with cannabis topics. I'm sure I will. Alfredo, everyone in the industry knows you as someone who loves empiric data. Though in your current position at Seed Innovations, you're looking for the big businesses of the future. How do you feel when you need to estimate business opportunities in the German adult use cannabis market due to all the uncertainties?
1: All the uncertainties, you mean? Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Well, I mean, in my case, my connection with international law and international law and cannabis legalization is not as natural as in the case of Robin. Some may be wondering what an investment analyst is doing here talking about international law. And um I mean, so first of all, for my current position, it is certainly useful to understand and try to predict the regulatory changes that are coming and, 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 and the probability that things will happen and the timeline if they happen, because obviously, the cannabis industry is a policy-driven industry, a regulatory-driven industry. So these changes affect the sector as a whole. Even companies that operate in the medical cannabis sector only and want to only operate in the medical cannabis sector will be affected one way or another by by recreational legalization. So it certainly helps uh, as an investment analyst to to understand these these processes. But my connection with international law and, and drug policy uh, goes back quite a few years when I came to Germany almost 10 years ago. study a master's degree in public policy, and I focused uh, during my degree on drug policy in particular, drug policy reform, and how that could be compatible with international law. And I attended a bunch of the Vienna meetings of the CND, the Commission on Narcotic Drugs, uh, even before there there was any talk of a cannabis industry in Europe, which really started to take some shape in 2017. So before I actually started working in the cannabis industry, I was already quite involved uh, with uh, international drug
0: policy. That's great. I'm quite sure that this will help you to estimate the future potential opportunities. Uh, Talking about that, um, there might be some worries currently in the uh, German politics because the Conservative Party has just initiated an official assessment of the scientific service of our Bundestag, uh, Bundestag, which is stating that uh, legal adult use market in Germany would be in conflict with EU law. Have you been surprised by these results? Robin, starting with you.
2: I most certainly have not been surprised uh, for the reason that they're citing, actually, some of my uh, articles I wrote on that. Um, and, yeah, heavily rely on that, what, what I've contributed in the past month. So um, I, it doesn't come as a surprise for me and probably a small remark The scientific service of the parliament is usually or, um, Um, well, uh, should be at least impartial in that sense. So it was, well, um, um, uh, a parliamentarian from the Christian social union, from a conservative party that are uh, notoriously famous for um, being very critical uh, towards legalization, um, who had asked or kind of tasked the, the um, service, the scientific service with coming up with this assessment. But that shouldn't have had any um, impact, let's say on the outcome of their
1: assessment you afraid your thoughts yeah i mean i would only add to that that uh, so i agree with robin this is supposed to be a scientific assessment a non-partisan assessment so it is not something done by the conservative party it is something done by a by an independent uh, part of the bundestag you could say um, that being said the the news report that came after that was published Had some opinions there and I think probably went too far in saying that this report is demonstrating that legalizing cannabis for adult use purposes would be incompatible with EU law. That is not something that the report is saying directly in my view, at least when I read it yesterday, so I haven't had time to analyze it in depth. But the report itself, it's not an in-depth analysis of these issues. It basically simply lists EU law issues that Germany will face if it intends to legalize cannabis for recreational purposes. So there are certain, certainly uh, legal challenges ahead for regulators, but
0: the report is not saying that it's impossible to do it, right? And basically, the industry is debating exactly about how to solve these issues, and especially the two mentioned agreements, the treaties on EU level, since basically beginning of this year. I mean, we had first discussions with you, Robin, you had like publicly even wrote about these agreements. So there is not such a big surprise. On the other hand, we also have the UN single convention, which hasn't been mentioned now with the assessment that much in public. But... The big question is in that case as both EU agreements which are currently in the debate are directly referencing to the UN Singer Convention from 1961 where should Germany focus on EU level to solve the issues on EU level or to solve the issues on UN level where would you start? Robin maybe you can go ahead.
2: Right Uh, so from my point of view the answer is totally clear yeah we should start on the EU level that's The relevant level, that is where all uh, the magic is happening uh, at the moment or not happening. Um, I'm of the view, and I completely understand that um, there are a number of scholars that have a different view on that, that say, well, you know, Germany is a so-called völkerrechtsfreundlicher Staat, meaning that we're friendly towards international law. Um, And Everything that is that is relevant is happening on the on the the uh, dimension of international law, uh, on the dimension of the single conventions, um, etc. Um, and I think it is an important aspect. But I also always say, well, I mean, let's have a look at Canada. Let's have a look at Uruguay, and let's have a look at the US. Although US is a kind of a peculiar case, we we'll probably talk about that about that later on, but. They've been ignoring international law, and I don't see the consequences here. I don't see the sanctions applying to those states. they have ignoring it. I think they have good reasons to do that. And quite frankly, nothing happened.
0: Alfredo, for me, the big question is, once we solve the issues on UN level, are our problems solved on EU level because of the reference, of the direct reference to the UN?
1: Possibly. Uh, but 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 going to your previous question first, um, I don't fully agree with Robin here. I think it's so interconnected that, that it's hard to pick I, either the EU or the UN to focus, right? And I think we need to go one step back. It's like, what do we want to do? Do we want to reform these treaties? Like amend the single convention or change EU law. If that is the case, then I would certainly think that it's easier probably to start at the EU level, but that's probably also still too complicated to do in this legislative period. I mean, meaning that the current German government legislative period, right? If we are talking about modifying these treaties. So, if the question then is, okay, if we do not see a chance of modifying either the single convention or EU law in the foreseeable future to allow cannabis for adult use purposes, then how could this be done that is in compliance with international law, both at the UN and the EU level? right? Because we probably wouldn't want to have Germany not complying with international law. And if that is the case, they are very inter- interconnected. So there, 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 are. I mean, it's it's hard to pick. There are multiple links between EU law and U- the UN drug conventions, and EU member states are all bound by the UN treaties anyway. Where I do agree with uh, Robin is that in terms of um, um, enforcement, right? Because um, how can I say this? At the at the U- UN level, the mechanisms that the INCB, which is the the UN organization largely responsible for enforcing the, the UN drug control treaties, treaties does not have much enforcement power. It's basically name and shame, and there is some reputational damage involved potentially, some political damage, some diplomatic damage, but as Robin said, Uruguay and Canada legalized and nothing really happened, nothing really serious happened. I mean, yes, Uruguay received some love letters from the INCV, yes, Canada was uh, named and shamed in the INCV reports, but it's not like the NCP suddenly decided to stop all traffic of medicines to Canada and Uruguay. They simply won't do that neither with Canada, neither with Uruguay nor with Germany. But Germany has another layer of a problem there and it is EU law. The enforcement mechanisms at the at the EU level are much more you could say, efficient, maybe another word, and and Robin will be able to say this with better technical terms than what I can, but at the EU level, you have the European Commission, which is largely responsible for enforcing EU law, and EU member states are not supposed to pick and choose what part of EU law they want to comply with and what part they do not want to comply with. They need to comply with everything. And if we have EU law that is interconnected with the international drug control treaties and that basically... The, 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 inter- the, the predominant interpretation of this is that cannabis must be restricted to medical and scientific purposes only. Then you could have an infringement of EU law and you could have an infringement procedure initiated by the European Commission. And this is much more serious than a love letter from the INCB. It could even mean economic sanctions and, and, and a reputational damage that Germany won't be willing to go to, to risk. Just to legalize cannabis, not in the world where we live in right now. Germany has repeatedly said that it wants to work, uh, yeah, with its international partners, complying with international law. So, yeah, I don't think that Germany would risk legalizing in a way that is not compliant with international law. So they are trying to find a solution to that, and for that, you probably need to focus on both. EU and UN level.
2: If I can just respond to that, I think Alfredo pinpointed it perfectly. The issues that we're facing, and well, it's interesting to say that in a way that I have a more more of a pragmatic view on that. Uh, I think even as a as a scholar and as a well lawyer, that we don't have the image to to be very pragmatic in that sense, but. I got to say that, you know, you have to kind of put a focus on. I mean, we cannot have it all, you know. Of course, it would be the ideal case, you know, get rid of the single convention, take EU law by storm and, you know, reform uh, uh, the whole thing in one sitting if you want. But let's be realistic here. It just doesn't happen. So I think we have to focus on. You know, what are really the crucial parts? And as you said, you know, if the EU Commission should decide to sue uh, Germany in front of the ECJ, that is something, well, it's quite exciting in that sense that we don't know what the outcome of that is. Huh? Let's be quite clear here. It's not said that if an, if an infringement procedure is initiated, that Germany has lost and that everything is, is, you know, all the legalization plans are, you know, set back 10 years and we don't have a discussion about it anymore. No, it will be the European Court of Justice that would have to decide. And, well, as a lawyer, I can tell you, it's completely open what they will. Decide on it. There are some hints, I would say, when you look at the jurisprudence over the past years, that they have a kind of skeptical view when it comes to legalization. It also shows at the end of the day, the Euro- uh, European Court of Justice will have to apply European law. That's the law they, they apply, and if they find well, they might say, well you know we're we believe that we as judges believe that um, the cannabis prohibitionist system is not up to date anymore and that should be reformed, but our hands are tied by European law that can happen as well so we find us um, in the situation that it's highly likely that we get in front of a court. And you don't want to be in that situation. Um, I think you as investors and people from, you know, the economy, it's always a risk. And um, if you can avoid it, you should, or I would advise you to avoid it. And I think that's a crucial question. And the question is, can we
0: avoid it? And I think this is a long discussion, but um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Robin, that's very interesting, because I think in the current discussion, the enforcement power of the EU hadn't been on the agenda that much. So what would happen in the worst case? Uh, imagine Germany loses against the Commission in front of right. the Court of Justice.
2: Let's, let's put out the two possible cases, the worst case and the best case scenario. So let's talk about the best case scenario. Germany, we will have a, um, a bill uh, at the end of the year. And it goes through the parliament. They're all fine with that. It goes through the Bundesrat, the second chamber um, in Germany, and they're fine with that as well. And we have the law. People would start, you know, all these companies would, you know, step up their production of cannabis. They will invest a lot of money in that, which makes perfectly sense. So we have a free market from that point on. Now, at that point, two things could happen. It could happen that, well, in the best case scenario, just nothing could happen. So the European Commission could decide, well, you know, we have nothing against that. It could happen the other um, party that could initiate an infringement procedure could be another member state. Probably no member state feel like, well, we have different other problems at the moment. We just don't feel like suing Germany in front of the European Court of Justice. And everyone would be happy. Uh, we would have a legal market for cannabis. Pretty, It is pretty probable that other countries would, you know, follow up on that. So that's the absolute best case scenario. The worst case scenario is that we get dragged in front of the ECJ by an infringement procedure either either initiated by the commission or another member state. And the judges will decide that what Germany is doing is against European law from that point on. And that has taught us the experience. The next day when the judgment comes out, Germany will just simply scratch all the efforts, the bill will be gone, will be declared as nil or uh, null or nichtig as we would call that in, in German, and it will be gone. And then we're set back in the whole debate, because then once this judgment is in the world, you know, we are set back in the whole debate for the next 10 years until probably someone will try again and is brave enough to initiate a legalization. So these are the two scenarios that we that we can the worst and the best case scenario. Of course, there, are some, there might be some nuances in between. The European Commission could, for example, say, well, we're not really happy with your plans, but if you would adhere to the following uh, rules, if you would kind of make these changes, we might accept it. It might be that the ECJ will rule. Well, all is fine and dandy. The German approach is the approach of the future. We'll accept that. And then, of course, that would be a great thing because then we have it uh, in a judgment that um, cannabis legalization would be fine so all these things kind of uh, are on the table and um, who knows the analyst uh, who's assessing risks you alfredo you might have an idea would you know what's the highest risk what's the lowest risk i think it's more like uh, the crystal ball we're looking into here
1: yeah, it's hard to predict, but I think even the risk of Germany having to appear uh, at the European Court of Justice because of this is just something that politically the government will want to avoid at all costs. Sim- simply having to go through that already carries a risk for the government, right? So that's why why it would make sense for them to try to find a way to do this in a way that it is as compliant as possible with international law.
2: Without interrupting you, uh, sorry, if I just may, a small and, and quick remark to that. I'm not sure if that is something they would avoid at all costs, um, because it has this great, I'd say, uh, advantage for the government that they kind of can defer responsibility for the failure of the law To the core, you know, it it is like it because the whole thing from the beginning was, you know, that is something for the voters and something for the young voters. They feel really passionate about this cannabis legalization. And that was one of the main reasons, except, of course, of the taxpayers money they were uh, looking at. That was one of the main reasons for the Social Democrats to say, well, you know, we changed our mind in that in that way. So I'm not so sure if they would be, you know, if they would. Avoid at all costs going to court because if it works, everything is fine. If it doesn't, they can say, "Hey, we did our best, you know, we tried hard." Unfortunately, this, you know, conservative European Union did what they could to avoid it. Let's see.
0: So, that's um, a good point. Yeah, pressure is on. Pressure is on on the Amber Light coalition. Uh, Alfredo, you mentioned that there should be a way to minimize risk to go like or at the end to the court. How would this way and mechanisms look like to minimize the risk that at the end everything is shut down?
1: Well, again, we we can speak about this on two different levels that are interconnected at the UN level and at the EU level. Um, Maybe we can start at the EU level. There, There are two things that are quite important. One is the Schengen Agreement, which deals mostly with illicit trafficking, and then the Council Framework Decision from 2004. In non-technical terms, limit cannabis for medical and scientific purposes only. However, there are certain things we can see there, which include the possibility of uh, having countries legalize cannabis for. Uh, users to be able to grow in their own homes and for personal use only. That is, uh, a, a possibility that is explicitly mentioned with other words in Article 2 of the framework decision, the second paragraph. And then the, f- the first paragraph of Article 2, which is the one, the, the most problematic one, which is the one that, that basically limits the cultivation, production, sales uh, and everything else of, of cannabis when committed without right. So it says that that member states need to punish all of this when committed without right. And then the question becomes, so what is with right? And I'm sure here Robin will be able to explain this in, in better technical terms than what I can. But one possibility would be that to argue that if cannabis is legalized in compliance with the international drug control conventions, so the UN conventions, then it would be done with right. Not without right, and then Germany would be complying with EU law. So then the question becomes so, okay, so how can we legalize cannabis in a way that it's compliant with the UN yeah, drug control conventions, which again limit cannabis for medical and scientific purposes only? And uh, yeah, happy to continue with the explanation there of the different options, but perhaps Robin already wants to, to say something.
2: I think in a a nutshell, that's pretty much it, how Germany um, has planned to do it. That is, um, it's exactly that. So it's these two words without right in German, ohne Berechtigung, Um, that kind of should do the magic trick, uh, if you want. So when I first read about that, it's actually, um, was quite late because I was, um, there's very little literature about that. And, you know, as a a scientist, I always look first, you know, at the literature, see what other smart people have said, you know. And um, it was very little about that, that this was the way they wanted to approach it. And it basically, in a nutshell, is that without right, that these two words... That is kind of the um, how to say the the hinge where that would turn around the entire European prohibitionist drug system in a way. Because when you look at it without right, it theoretically would also, if you interpret it that way, it theoretically would also open the door for legalizing other drugs. It's a bit debatable, but it's really, this is really kind of the focus point of these two words would be the focus point of the whole thing. There's a good argument why that is right. And that is, if you look at the literature, they say, well, so in the classical interpretation of the framework decision, it means, well, without right, the right to traffic, to produce cannabis, can only be for medical and scientific purposes. That is the old interpretation. Those two rights exist. If you look at the single convention, there are no other rights existing. Now, and now the argument of um, the, those that would prefer such an interpretation, and they say, well, look at it. Look at the single convention If they talk about scientific purposes, or if they talk about uh, medical purposes, it's always about permission. It's not about a right. A permission is something, you know, a very small and limited thing. A right That is something, you know, substantial. And that's why they say, well, this without right was kind of the back door of opening up. The member states agreed upon in 2004, when they came up with this framework decision, they said, well, by leaving without right in it, they wanted to open the door for legalization um, efforts in the entire Europe.
1: So that's kind of... Sorry, do you think yeah? that w- do you think that was the intention in two thousand and four?
2: Well, it has to be because when we when we look at it, when when you follow that interpretation, it has to be because you know when we look at that's how we interpret laws. There are different ways of interpreting. For example, the historical interpretation would look at the other um, at a lot of documents that are related to that. For example, the meetings that took place um, to come up with this framework ex- decision. What did they want to do at that point? That would be the question. What did the parties want? That's what every lawyer do, you know? When you're in a divorce, a lawyer would try to find out what both parties want and then try to get it into a document. So it's really crucial to see what they wanted here. But when you do that...
1: when you do that and you read the whereas of the council framework decision it's basically all about the dangers of drugs and the need right. to, to have a homogeneous control a harmonized control at the European level that is my
2: uh, that is uh, Alfredo sorry that is my view although I also got to say it I don't want to um, I mean I think it's only fair and as a scientist it's I, I think it's important to also show the other side of it they say well there is not really much in the history of this framework decision um, we don't really know what they wanted so it can easily be just open probably that was they wanted to leave a back door for it that could be the case you know um if you just look at the framework decision i mean they legalized the personal use they said well you know if you want to have two or three plants in your in your uh backyard you can the member states are allowed to legalize that it's not that it's legalized in the entire group but the member states can make it decision to do that. If I just read it, and then we come to the uh, come to the uh, Schengen agreement, and if we look at that, it just doesn't feel very plausible for me. Um, and I also got to say, I'm pretty much I'm pretty alone with that view. But there are not much people that would have an opinion on that, uh, at least from from a legal point of view. I just feel like you know it would kind of you know unhinge the entire prohibitionist system, which I know that some feel enthusiastic about, and I, for my part, think. Well, it would be great if we can have a more progressive, more modern um, approach to drugs and to cannabis especially. But does it really allow for that? That's the question. As a lawyer, I have to look at the law, you know. Can we really interpret the law in that direction? And it's in my view that we can't, that it will bring us uh, in, in, uh, that we will have a lot of trouble with that. And the same would be done by the ECJ. They will interpret that, the European Court of Justice. They will interpret that law and they would say, well, they never never gave a hint when they decided on issues related to this framework decision that, well, you know, but by the way, and judges do that sometimes, not often, but sometimes they do that. They say, well, you know, in the case of the Netherlands, they can solve the problems if they would just, you know, come up with a law like Germany wants to do now. But this interpretation Germany has is in the literature, in the international literature, quite, well, I'd say
0: unique. Which brings me back to the first question, how can Germany argue that basically this is with right and not without right might the UN single convention be the key to convince to convince everyone that basically the adult use cannabis legalization is in Germany is happening with rights because they have found a way to deal with a single convention and the reference in both agreements is there Alfredo what do you think might this increase the chances Yeah, so my my
1: short answer is yes, but let's go one step back about this without right issue. So it's certainly problematic because it is not defined in the framework decision what they meant with without right. There are other regulations at the EU level that also mention the words without right in other contexts and and do define it. There's, for example, something about uh, some regulation at the EU level about child pornography, which basically bans child pornography possession. When done without right. And then you might be thinking, but when would ch- child pornography be with right? And the regulation itself mentions that it is. P- possible to have that in the context of a criminal procedure, for example. So, obviously, then that would be with right. So, that's simple there because it is defined what they meant with without right. In the case of uh, this drug control uh, regulation, we we do not know exactly or it's at least debatable what um, yeah, EU policymakers meant when they said without right. But going to your question, Moritz, I do think it would make things much easier if Germany or any country, EU country um, legalizes cannabis in a way that is arguably compliant with the UN obligations, right? And in, in that case, Germany would have a much better argument to say that it's it's legalizing with right? and then the EU problem would not be such a problem. And then we would need to talk about what possibilities are there in terms of legalizing cannabis for adult use purposes in ways that could be arguably justified at the UN level. Robin, do you agree
0: that this single convention solution might have an impact on EU level?
2: Yeah, so this is the, the second big, um, I'd say, issue where there's a lot of disagreement about that is discussed quite fiercely. Um, if I mention fassungsblock.de uh, for example. And so the, the whole idea here is to say, well, let's get the single convention order. Let's get out with a, and get back in with a reservation. Um, I don't think we need to, to elaborate on that. We all, it, it has been discussed so much. So this is possible. It's a legal trick, but it, is, it seems possible. There's no precedent um, except of uh, Bolivia, but they did it for coca leaves um, and the situation was a bit different, but that should be possible to do. And then the idea is here saying that once we have it all in order in the single convention on the international level, then it kind of draws back, you know, it it takes away the ammunition from the EU. It kind of, well, to be honest... It makes it disappear, the Schengen agreement, the framework decision. It makes all, because the EU then will say, well, they will set back. That's at least, I'm exaggerating a bit, but that's kind of my impression, interpretation of it. They would set back and say, well, you know, if they've done a right on an international level, then we don't have any say. And for having studied the EU in the past uh, decade, how they reacted, how they kind of, it, and you don't need to study it. You, you can see it from kind of the by reading the newspaper. The EU is not an institution that would, you know, let things just go. They have a massive impact in our lives, especially when it comes to criminal law, um, all the terrorism lawmaking, all the money laundering. Lawmaking. It's all over EU level. So they they have a strong influence and they have it always with this idea saying, well, if you take, for example, terrorism or if you take any other uh, crime related area, as soon as it has an impact on the entire EU, like terrorism, doesn't matter if you you know, if you get hard on terrorism in one country, you will have the problem in another country as well. So you need a solution. Migration is one of the biggest, most prominent fields over the past years. We need a European solution for the migration issue. So because it has an impact on the entire EU, if you just close the borders in one country, that kind of just displaces the problems to to another country. So we need a EU solution. And it's the same with drugs. To argue that, well, that the EU would say, well, let Germany do it because it doesn't have an impact on on any other country it just seems to be far-fetched for me, Um, in the sense that if Germany legalizes cannabis, it will have an impact on the Netherlands... They don't mind, I can assure you. They would be happy. But if you look, for example, at Sweden, Sweden has a very strict drug policy. And they are looking at it. I talked to some Swedish um, uh, researchers and they say, well, if you look at the debate here, they're quite panicking about these, these issues. They have a different approach to to cannabis, a zero tolerance approach. So, but they are a member of the EU and they have a saying in the whole thing. Um, so... Long story short, I know that this is because the the Schengen Agreement, also the Framework Decision, they always reference the international um, agreements and com- makes completely sense. But to interpret that in a way saying that well, then the EU takes a backseat here, I just don't find that convincing. Uh, but there are scholars that do that that say it's kind of in the international debate they they agree on that more or less. If you just look at the Schengen agreement, it won't disappear just because we have everything in order on an international level.
0: Okay, so to look into the crystal ball in this case is super tricky because it's like first time situation in history uh, that an EU country where, open, where we have open borders and where, where we have a harmonized drug policy, because if one country has a different policy, it would directly affect other Uh, policies makes it more complicated than in the case of Canada and in the case of Uruguay. But on the other hand, we have the reference directly to the UN single convention. And uh, this is kind of a dilemma where no one really knows how the final solution will look like. Or Alfredo, what is your point of view in this case? Because this seems to be very important if we look at the current statements of the, also on the former uh, cannabis control control from the the Green Party. Um, So, what would, what would be your idea on this issue?
1: Well, I think, so if, if we look at the framework decision, its first article, Article 1, is the one that defines what drugs are. And what do they do for that? They refer to the 1961 single convention. All also the 71 convention, but that is only relevant in terms of pure THC. When we're talking about cannabis flower, it's the 1961 convention, the one that is relevant to us at this moment. So Article 1 defines what a drug is. Cannabis is a drug for the purposes of the framework decision, because it is part of the 1961 single convention, then the question becomes what would happen if Germany were to, as it was just said, uh, denounce the single convention to then re-enter with a cannabis reservation, then arguably this framework decision wouldn't apply at least in the same way to germany but robin is right it, it's hard to look at this in isolation and think there would not be other issues for example with the free movement that of, of the european union right if the obligations of other countries are affected by germany legalizing because of drug tourism for example there will be issues there and um I think it's probably worth more to explain a little bit in more detail if you want what it means to denounce the single convention to re enter.
0: Yeah. So that's the next question. with What kind of options we have on UN level? If we say, okay, we go this way, because I mean, we all agree that changing EU policy in this period will be very, very tough regarding the timeline. So we might want to look for other solutions. And then we look for the solution on UN level, because this might be more realistic to do within the next one, two years. So what kind of option and what kind of kind of question marks we have? I mean, I've heard you have been discussing a lot about these kind of stuff. So maybe just in a nutshell, uh, okay, what, is so, your, what is your view on this issue? So
1: not to confuse things, to speaking only at the UN level now, at at, an international, yeah. at, at a global level, um, then one of the possible solutions that is often mentioned is this idea of denouncing the single convention to then re-enter with a cannabis reservation, something more or less similar to what Bolivia did with coca leaves. It sounds simple it is also probably not that complicated but it has a couple a couple of, of of issues there that i think we should mention because it's not as straightforward as some people think um the first thing is in terms of, in terms of timing as of now uh, germany if germany denounces the single convention before july 1st next year that would enter into effect at the earliest in january 2024 and then germany could try to re-enter re accede to the single convention with a cannabis reservation but that will not be in effect before january 2025 so if we are if we, if we want to see sales of cannabis in germany before january 2025 i don't see this as a viable option simply because of the times in timing involved in this process So you first need to denounce the convention and then you need to re accede with a reservation and when you want to re accede with a reservation the other parties of the convention, basically almost all the the countries in the world, have 12 months to oppose that reservation. And if one-third of the countries or more actually oppose that reservation, then Germany wouldn't be able to do this. So it doesn't depend solely on Germany, it depends on a lot of diplomatic work to convince two-thirds of the world not to actively oppose this.
2: Alfredo, we would just be not doing it. We would be out of the single convention with no option to enter back into it again. That's basically well. What could
1: have, G- Germany could re-enter without the reservation. Okay, right? uh, yeah. we could try that. Yeah, but yeah. that yeah. Germany could re-enter without the reservation, but but for the reservation to apply, we would need to wait until January twenty twenty five. So that's in terms right. of timing. And there's a, a lot of time. timing. Is it,
0: is it not possible to re-enter until the beginning of twenty twenty four? So if things work, the earliest that Germany
1: could re-enter would be january twenty twenty four because that's the earliest yeah. that Germany Germany's denunciation could enter into effect. But it's not just about re-entering. then you need to wait twelve months for your for the reservation or postal procedure. So you have the other countries have twelve months to oppose if they want. That reservation, mm. just like it happened with Bolivia's case, in the case of Bolivia, fewer than one third of the countries of the of, of parties to the Single Convention opposed it. So after one year, Bolivia could effectively be part of the Single Convention with its coca leaves reservation. But the timing there is important, and I think that's not, yeah, really well communicated so far. And there's one more thing that I think it's important, and it is the fact that Germany was one of the very few countries that actually opposed Bolivia doing this in the past. So I mentioned fewer than one third of the countries opposed Bolivia's reservation. That, mean, that meant Bolivia could re-enter with its reservation. But Germany was one of the opposing countries. And it, I think in Canada. That, uh, and, and yeah, so, so I think it would make sense as a first step that the symbolic step for Germany to withdraw that, that objection, which is something that Mexico did, by the way. Mexico was also one of the countries that opposed Bolivia doing that. But then in a symbolic act, you could say. Uh, Mexico's government withdrew that op- uh, that opposition to Bolivia doing that. Germany hasn't done that yet, so it would be weird to, for Germany to try to follow the same path of Bolivia in a way of denouncing the Single Convention to re-enter with a specific reservation. When Germany was one of the very few countries that opposed Bolivia doing that before, so we would probably want to see Germany first in a way apologize to Bolivia for having opposed that before. Uh, yeah, before trying to pursue that same path.
0: But in theory, Robin, as a EU country, Germany could leave the single convention.
2: Well, yeah, in, in theory, of course, we could leave. The question is if we could re-enter. Alfredo said, well, we can then, if, even if you don't get the reservation, then we still can re-enter, which uh, if they let us, we could. But then there is another issue, but uh, that would go now quite into the detail. There's a UN convention as well from 1988, where also the, the cannabis um, Uh, prohibition is kind of inscribed in, I don't want to go too much into details, but there we have the problem. We would re-enter that as well, actually uh, re-enter with a reservation there as well. But the EU is a signature state, if you want, a signature institution for this as well. So it would still apply to us, this UN convention, even if we kind of managed to get out of it. Um, so long story short, it's just, and that's also a bit the reason why I'm, why I'm so skeptical, if we really should try to find the clear solution on an international level. It's uh, just a big mess if you look at it from from a legal point of view and it's it's like you know one of these knots uh, uh, that you try to to you know you have to cut it you you cannot entangle it uh, in a way so that's why i say well let's be a bit brave here you know let's make a strong statement by saying well this system is you know, anachronistic. This system hasn't worked in the past years. Things have changed. Let's, uh, you know, um, let's be brave here and just, you know, leave it aside, you know, as by the way, the US are doing kind of in a, in a bit of a strange way. But even them, you know, those, they were the big drivers behind it for so long. And even they don't really comply with the rules anymore, but we should. And We should make, even if we don't want to comply, we have to do it formally right. And it's a very German approach to us, but I'm just not sure if it's the right one.
1: Robin, I'm not so sure I agree with you that the 1988 convention is such a big issue because it builds upon the 1961 convention and the 1971 convention. So basically, it, it mentions things such as contrary to the provisions of the 1961 treaty or the 1971 treaty. So if Germany were or any country were to solve its obligations with the 1961 convention, it could be argued that the 1988 convention would be automatically solved, and you yeah. being a party to it i'm not so familiar with how that works but what i understand that it's only about precursor drugs not not about everything so it's not that it's a party to the whole 1988 convention but i might want to have to double check that
0: for sure, things get even more complicated. Alfredo, you haven't been that all-in as Robin has just been. Uh, you always mentioned that you would appreciate a lot if Germany managed to stick to the rules on international level. What other options do you see uh, beyond this leaving and re-entering stuff? Let's talk about options then.
1: So yeah, l- l- renouncing and re-entering is certainly one of the options. And the, the good thing I would say about this option is that it is an option that is explicitly mentioned in the 1961 Convention, right? So it, it is it is something that is it's a very clean solution, you could say. I mean, yeah, maybe it's a trick, but it's a very clean trick because it's something that is explicitly mentioned right. in the, 19, the 1961 Convention. So it would not be doing something weird, and we have the president of Bolivia. So it's certainly an option. Just Bear in mind the timing that it takes and that it's not something that germany can decide alone because for that reservation uh, to be part of their re uh, 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 pro- would germany would, would have to to, do a, to, to, to have an international battle, a diplomatic battle, to to make sure that not more than one-third of the countries oppose it. Leaving aside this one option, that is certainly an option, but not the only one, another possibility could be to legalize on the basis of positive human rights. So this is sort of what Uruguay did. It's about justifying that human rights take priority when it comes to international law application when it, uh, over drug control, and on the basis of the priority of human rights obligations legalized and with that kind of solve the problem of not complying with drug control is it a very clean solution probably not because again when it comes to international law countries are not supposed to choose what they want to comply with and what they do not like to comply with so it is arguably not the ideal solution and we still have the issue of EU law around so And we haven't gotten any signals from the German government that this is the pathway that they want to go. So basically do like Uruguay or Canada to a certain extent did. So legalize on the basis of human rights. Another option would be something that I and others have been mentioning for a while, and it is to claim that legalization is done on the basis of a scientific experiment. Because cannabis is supposed to be limited for medical and scientific purposes, according to both UN and uh, international treaties and European law, but that is not defined. So the single convention or any of these EU law instruments that we've been speaking about, they don't define what medical and scientific is. And social sciences are not explicitly excluded. So could Germany legalize as part of a social science experiment? Well, I mean... It could be argued that yes uh, the definition of science is complicated and again the 1961 convention didn't limit science to only hard sciences or only medicines the question is why not like why wasn't it defined what was meant with scientific purposes with medical purposes there's also another issue there but like could traditional medicine for example be part of medicine or was it only meant like western modern medicine but leaving the medicine part aside we still have the scientific purposes which is legal, according to international law. Cannabis can be used for scientific purposes. Historically, that has been understood as clinical trials, so medicine, basically, and drug development. Mm -hmm. The question is, could social experiments be part of it? I think there are good arguments to say yes. Um, Drug policy issues involve many academic disciplines uh, not just medicine and, and chemistry also political science international relations environmental issues a lot of different things and it could be it could be argued that drug policies should be based not only on chemistry and the effects that, that drugs can have on humans but also on other issues that i just mentioned so um, then there's an example of this, actually. So for example, safe injection rooms. These have been argue, uh, argued that are compliant with international law. So these are facilities where people who are uh, addicted to heroin, for example, can go and have heroin in a safer, safer way. It is, in a way, a social experiment, right? It, so, it, and, and it has been justified in that way. So why couldn't cannabis be legalized and justified as a social experiment? I see no huge reason why not. There's one counter-argument, and it is that the treaties should be interpreted faithfully. So you cannot interpret the treaties the way you want. You need to do a faithful interpretation of the treaties. So some may argue that this is not a faithful interpretation because the intention of scientific was drug development. But there's a good counter-argument there that social sciences should be part of it, too. And we're seeing this in in practice with Switzerland and the Netherlands at the moment. I mean, the Netherlands is undergoing an experiment with uh, legal commercial production of cannabis for non-medical purposes. The EU commission hasn't done anything against it. And uh, the INCB, uh, to my knowledge, hasn't done much as well. So I think I, I actually personally really like the scientific approach. I think there are many ways to justify it. But again, I'm not saying this is the best solution. It's probably one of the possibilities. And it also has its limitations, just like any other limitation. And then there's another one which will take a little bit of time to explain, which is so-called inter agreement. Happy to do that, but maybe Robin wants to say something about it. Yeah, slide. let's
0: talk let's briefly uh, talk about the scientific approach Robin do you also think that it might be a very smooth solution to basically have a very broad understanding of what is science, science what is scientific and uh, make uh, cannabis available for very very many, very many people collect the data anonymously and then have like maybe end date where this will be evalu- evaluated and then we have a big cannabis industry on national level on a, a scientific not um, let, let's not call it umbrella but with a scientific purpose?
2: Yes, uh, I, I think that is perfectly fine uh, to do that. Um, I, I mean, I, I think I already gained the image here of being uh, overly critical of everything. I, and now I can tell you, I think I think there is no doubt that this runs under a scientific purpose. Absolutely not. So well, what you would have to do is, um, what they do in the Netherlands or in Switzerland, they have all these pilots, if you want. So you take a little city, or a bigger city, and you start rolling out a pilot with distributing cannabis to some users they are registered, of course, um, and then you follow them over months and years and you scientifically evaluate, you know, the impact, the social impact, whatever you want, basically. I think that's totally fine. And I would even say, well, let's make this experiment for the entire Germany, if you want, huh? I mean that's a big experiment, but but that should still be in completely in compliance with with the treaties. Um, there is, however, one one little little critical point. Well, I don't, I'm not sure if it's so little, but you know, these experiments and it's called Viet experiment in the Netherlands. They do have or tend to have an expiration date, so you when you plan and project like that you would say well and after 5 years you know we evaluate and see and you know it comes to an end and there's a big question you know i don't think that a faithful interpretation would be to have you know an unlimited experiment in a way that you just keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. I don't think that that would be possible. Although there again, I mean, we're talking about so much unknown things here. Probably it works. Probably, they, you know, you have a five years experiment and you know, after five years, we print out all the data and we put it in a, in a big suitcase and Carl Lauterbach you know, if he's still our health minister, he goes to Brussels and he say, well guys, here's the data. It worked. We got rid of the black market. We don't have any significant health impacts. This is a good argument then to take that data we have collected and say, well, and now let's change European law. Let's change the framework for that. I think that's a perfectly fine solution. By the way, and that's the last point. When I say let's change the framework, and I don't think we have mentioned that in according regards with European law. It's not about legalizing cannabis in the entire EU. It's not what we would argue. It's only arguing to say Those countries, those member states who want to, they should have the possibility to do so. It's not that we have to convince Sweden to legalize cannabis as well. What we have to convince them is to... Let us do our thing with cannabis and they do their thing. And, you know, we take try to take control of the drug tourism, which will be an issue. But we have that under control and we have to just make clear that we have that under control. So I think this whole experiment um, and scientific thing, that is the way to go. It's probably not even the second best. I think it's probably the first best solution, to be honest, if we plan on a longer term. Just one question...
0: Hard. Changing the framework, sorry Alfredo. Yeah. Would that not take too much time? Everything well, takes time. <laughs> everything takes time.
2: Well, and as a, I can tell you, especially when you talk to judges and as a lawyer, time is not an issue for us. And as a scientist, it's not an issue, you know? But it is for you the collection. I know. It is for the coalition, and let's be honest, it's also for the viewers and your audience that, you know, wants to plan and wants to make investments at this point and wants to, you know, you want security. Uh, You don't want to take too much risks because, let's be clear, if we legalize it and it gets, you know, squashed by the ECJ, then you stand there with nothing in a way. All your investments can try to channel it into medical cannabis, but how much medical cannabis do we need in, in Germany? I don't know. But, so... The whole issue here is, I think, that the time, we would buy the time by an experiment. If we would legalize it, even if we would say, well, let's take three big pilots in Berlin, Hamburg, and Munich. I mean, that's a number, you know, that is something. And we would have five years. We might enroll some more projects during that time. So, and after five years, you know, at the same time, parallel on a parallel track, we could try to really, you know, lobby the EU institutions. We could try to all the time with the scientific data we've collected. You know, that's a I'm, well, I'm a scientist, but I think that scientific data, there's no, no better argument than scientific data uh, to really convince some someone of a policy change.
1: I'm glad, so glad you agree with me that this is the, the 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 most elegant solution, Robin, the scientific one, which is yeah not so not mentioned so often, at least not as often as the other two options of yeah denouncing the single convention and the interse agreement. And um, one more thing about these models is that some may say, oh, but this is not the promise that the, gov- the German government made in the coalition agreement, because they 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 didn't mention anything about a, s- a limited scientific experiment. Probably that's correct. However, the coalition agreement does mention something very interesting, and it, it's, it's, again, often forgotten. And it is that it mentions that the law is to be evaluated after four years in terms of its implications in society or something like that. I think that those little words there often overlooked may be the solution if the government then proposes a legalization in, uh, in, in such a way that is framed as a scientific experiment which could arguably, arguably be compliant with international law because it would be cannabis for scientific
0: purposes. Yes, and at the end, the government has always highlighted that the overall aim is to increase youth protection and health of mankind. Of course, I mean, it, it needs to be reasonable, of course, right? I mean, you cannot say it's a scientific experiment and then sell it without
1: any control in the supermarket, right? Because then it's hard to argue it's a scientific experiment. Um but nothing limits uh, it, it to certain cities only. Could it be a nationwide experiment? I mean, why not? This is something that social sciences will need to determine what's reasonable and what not. But yeah, it doesn't necessarily need to be like in the Netherlands, where only ten municipalities are uh, undergoing the experiment. It could arguably be a national experiment as well.
0: Yeah. Before we uh, come to the end, uh, Alfredo, uh, interesting modification in a nutshell.
1: In a nutshell, (laughs) the the keywords being in a nutshell. Okay, so this is one of the options, intercell modification. And again, I am of the strong opinion that no option is perfect. They all have their disadvantages and advantages. Moritz, you mentioned something about timing and possibly experiments not being the fastest thing to do. I kind of disagree there. I think actually denouncing and re-entering the single convention is a lengthy process. Before sales can actually start with experiments, an experiment, things could be faster with an intercept modification again. And and let's try to explain how, how this could work. So in the so-called intercept modification is regulated by article 49, 41, sorry, of the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties. And normally it is something that is done among uh, countries to have stricter rules than what the international convention. Determined. So let's imagine an international an international treaty that yeah mandates certain minimum rules, and then certain countries agree only among themselves to have stricter rules. In, In this case. Germany plus one or more countries would be actually doing the opposite in a way. They would be saying, only among us, we would modify the single convention to allow cannabis for non-medical and non-scientific purposes, easier said, for recreational purposes. And that's possible also, so it doesn't necessarily need to be for stricter rules. It could be done to have other rules, simply. but there are a few questions when it comes to interstate modifications. One is the question of retroactivity, because, uh, the, as I mentioned, this is regulated by Article 41 of the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties. This treaty entered into force in 1980. The 1961 single convention is of course from 1961. It was modified then in 71, but still it's from before 1980. And the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties has an Article 4, which is about the non-retroactivity of the Vienna Convention of the Law of Treaties. So the question is, can uh, Article 41 be applied retroactively? And Look, I'm not a law scholar to answer this question. It gets complicated because then we need to see what was already customary international law before the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties and what was procedural things that were introduced by the Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties. And if it is argued that it was customary international law before this treaty that entered into force in 1980, then it could be argued that it could be applied retroactively. There's a, there's a big analysis of this Vienna Convention on the Law of Treaties from Dr and Shamel Schamelbach that I recommend to everyone who's interested in these issues. And what they argue is that Article 41 did not codify an already existing rule of customary international law, which would be bad news to apply this retroactively. But again, there are arguments saying that it can be applied retroactively, arguments to say that it cannot be applied retroactively. But it's a hurdle, I would say. The other issue is Article 41 itself. So let's assume for a moment that it can indeed be applied retroactively. And again, there are good arguments to say that it can be applied retroactively. Then there are certain requirements there. So one possibility, one possibility is that the treaty itself allows for interstate modification. That is not an option with the 1961 convention. It, it doesn't explicitly allow for an interstate modification. But then the other option is that if it is not prohibited by the treaty, which is the case of the 1961 convention, it doesn't allow it explicitly but it also doesn't prohibit it explicitly then there's an option of an interstate modification provided that and i'm going to read textually it does not affect the enjoyment by other parties of their rights under the treaty or their performance of their obligations this is one requirement which is already complicated and then the second requirement is that it does not relate to a provision derogation from which is incompatible with the effective execution of the object and purpose of the treaty as a whole. So let's go by parts. The first one, let's assume Germany does an inter-state modification with other countries, such as the Netherlands, for example, and say only among of us, we will have different rules when it comes to the single convention, and we will allow cannabis for non-medical purposes. Then the question is, could that affect the obligations of other countries, such as Sweden or Poland, for example? Could Poland say, hey, there's a bunch of tourists going to Germany, buying cannabis at the dispensary and coming back home to Poland with cannabis, which is still illegal here. So this is indeed affecting our obligations. So this interesting modification that you did with the Netherlands, we don't like it, right? So that's certainly a possibility. I'm not saying it, it will happen. It's just thinking ahead what could happen. The other issue is that... it's not like you can do interstate modifications however you like as i said it needs to be in a way aligned with the object and purpose of the treaty that you're modifying germany cannot say oh we don't like the single convention so we're gonna do whatever we want even if it goes against the object and purpose of the single convention no any modification, any interstate agreement, will need to be aligned with the object and purpose of the treaty, of the single convention that is being modified. And this, again, uh, it would take quite some time to explain what is the purpose of the single convention, the, the, the object and purpose. It is not so easy. It's... Uh, more art than science to 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 determine what the object and purpose of the single convention is. Some argue that the object and purpose is explained at the very beginning of the single convention, the very first sen- sentence of the preamble, which says the party is concerned with the health and welfare of mankind or something like that. So the object and purpose is the health and welfare of mankind, which sounds really good because then you could legalize and argue that you are doing that to protect health and welfare of mankind. So that's that's a very good argument in favor of legalizing and arguing that it's being done in a way that is aligned with the object and purpose of the single convention. However, there's more than that, of course. We cannot simply pick what we like and ignore everything else because uh, the preamble as well uh, it specifically mentions limiting drugs to medical and scientific purposes only. And then we have a general prohibition which is Article 4, which, again, explicitly limits drugs for medical and scientific purposes only. And and there's a story about this article, Article 4, which is one of the most important articles of the Single Convention, which originally was going to be a provision of Article 30, and then it was moved forward to Article 4, basically to show the importance of this article of limiting uh, drugs for medical and scientific purposes only. So, yeah, I don't want to go too deep into what is the object and purpose of the Single Convention, I guess, in summary, what we could say is that an intercept modification cannot do everything or or whatever whatever the countries want. Whatever they do will need to be aligned with the object and purpose of the single convention. At minimum, that would mean um, uh, protecting the health and welfare of their citizens. Some may argue that it will still need to limit drugs for medical and scientific purposes only, because that's the object and purpose of the single convention. Again,
0: it's debatable there. And then we still don't know if the solution on UN level, if it works with the interstate modification, will increase chances on EU level to make the adult use cannabis market in Germany happen. So my big last question to the two of you, imagine you are the drug commissioner and you are responsible for dealing with all the regulative challenges. What would you do? Who wants to start?
2: I gladly give the word to Alfredo. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, I already mentioned. I mean, as far as I can understand, the more straightforward solution is to justify legalization as a social experiment. That doesn't mean that it needs to be a tiny local experiment. It could be a nationwide experiment. Obviously, it would be need. It would be to be thought very carefully and done very seriously, and not just be a trick to 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 find a loophole there and try to do it in a sneaky way. It would be it would I mean it would be it would need to be a real social experiment and and uh, it could be a big social experiment and it could be compliant with everything that we're talking about. so I think that's the most straightforward way to go, but I mean let's see, I guess the German government will have to tell us what they're planning to do before the end of the year with the expunkte.
2: Right I couldn't agree more with uh, uh, Alfredo uh, in on that at least um, as a scientist I already have a number of good ideas on how to conduct such an experiment so uh, I think that is um, that would really be the way to go forward in to say um, we talked about it, and I think it's very telling that this what Alfredo told us was already what is in what it is in a nutshell because this is a very complicated and very very yeah complex approach and we don't know the outcome of that and i'm kind of a fan of you know kind of know what i'm doing and have at least and you know as as much legal certainty as possible you know when i me as a lawyer i would um, explain someone uh, something and they don't understand it would or i try to explain something i don't really understand and cannot calculate the risks for i would not advise to do that so as we said, the, um, the legal experiment or the, the cannabis experiment in Germany would be the way to go. At the same time, really lobbying the European institutions, lobbying the other mem- member states. It is, at the end of the day, a political decision, if you want. I don't think it's impossible just because the law says something uh, that it is impossible. We can change the laws, you know. It's, it's, not, it's not magic, you know. It's not rocket science to change the law. Uh, we just have to be willing to do that. And I think that would, this would be the way to go forward.
1: Robin, you mentioned something important, and and it is that this is not simply about the law only, right? I think that that's an important point. It's also about politics and it's also about diplomacy and it's also about the weight that Germany has on an international level. So let's see, maybe Germany proposes another solution that we are not thinking about it at the moment and that we may think, but on on strictly legal terms, this isn't the best solution, but Germany's weight internationally.
2: Right, uh, yeah. I totally agree. I'm, I'm just missing at the moment, and that is a small critique of the of the government. You know, I'm just missing where they put this weight. You know, okay. they should. You know, really, they. I don't see the enthusiasm, as I can see from, you know, so many people that are really, you know, behind this this whole legalization process. I don't see it there, you know. It's um, So that's a bit of a pity. Um, so that is something that should be changed well, in the I, future.
1: I do see the commitment of the German government to legalize cannabis. I just haven't seen them speaking about what will be the solution to these international issues. And it is probably because they are still trying to figure out what is the best path forward.
0: Only the future will tell if we will be all disappointed or very surprised. Thank you so much, Alfredo and Robin, for these inspiring insights. Uh, I'm sure that you will have inspired also many people who are directly involved into the policy process. And we will be updated soon and we will see what the German government will do to make adult-use cannabis in Germany legal. Thank you so much. Thank you, Moritz. Thank you, (sighs) Moritz.